back uh, to this broadcast from Unity Baptist Church, and I want to thank everyone for taking time to watch the service today, and uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and ladies are going to sing a couple of songs, but before we do, I want to just say a word of encouragement uh, to everyone out there. Um, I know these are times that are difficult, and uh, it's just, uh, it's hard not being able to be around friends and family, but I pray the Lord will help you, and for our church family. You know, we're praying for you, and uh, and just thank the Lord for each one of you. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the service today, and then we'll continue on. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's joining us today to watch this service. And Lord, I pray that you would bless it. And Lord, I pray for those that might be out there watching that are lost. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would deal with their heart this morning. And I pray if we learn nothing else... From this situation in our nation, Lord, I pray that we'd learn how frail and how fragile life is. And I pray, God, that we would all turn our eyes unto Thee today. Lord, we pray You bless the ladies that sing and and the preaching of the Word of God. And Lord, may this uh, service honor and glorify Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen.
trust what you have planned. A little lunch was multiplied. A queen was made for such a time. Three hundred men became an army strong. A broken box of alabaster water walking with the master. A prison cell that echoed with a song. I don't have much, but my little is enough. Jesus takes what's useless, and in a skillful way, he molds us in his likeness from a little multiplied a queen was made for such a time 300 men became an army strong a broken box of alabaster water walking with the master a prison cell that echoed with a song I don't have much but my little according to Luke and the 14th chapter, Luke chapter number 14, and we're going to read some scriptures and give you what the Lord's put upon our heart. And uh, I've been talking this week to a lot of different pastors and and, uh, and uh, friends of mine, and, and I'm going to say this, uh, your pastor, your preacher, um, they need your prayers right now, and they need your encouragement and uh, your support. And your church is needed as well. And uh, so please, if you're, not, if you're a member of another church, you're watching this, I want to encourage you to support your pastor and your church and be faithful even though you can't be in the building. I was here early this morning walking around the church and, and nobody was here. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, sobering and uh, uh, it's, it's different. And I was praying, praying for our people. Your church is not the building, it's not the clay, the, the, the brick and mortar, uh, but it's the people, it's the body, those that make it up. And so stay strong, stay close to the Lord. And one of my friends was asking me, we was talking about preaching and, and, and uh, <laughs> trying to preach behind, in front of a camera and, um, and, and, a, and an empty church. And, and, you know, we got to talking about it, and really we're just preaching to one person, all of us are. Uh, we're preaching to the Lord, and uh, that's whose servant we are. And so this morning I'm going to try to honor him and what the Lord's put on my heart and I pray, ask you to pray for us as we preach. The Bible says in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 14 and verse 15, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. 
The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go, I must needs go and see it, I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And this morning in verse number uh, 17, the Bible says, And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And then the Bible says that men began to make excuse. And in verse number 18, he said that uh, in verse number 18, the man said, I bought a piece of ground. I, I pray thee, have me excused. And then another one said in verse 19, I pray thee, have me excused. And verse number 20, this man said, I cannot come. I cannot come. And, and if the Lord will help me just for a moment, I want to preach on this thought. Why? Won't you come? Uh, why won't you come? You see, this story is a parable that the Lord gave. And uh, Jesus was a master teacher. He could take things that uh, were everyday things that, these, that people uh, knew and were familiar with. And he could take those everyday events and, put them and, and use them to illustrate divine truth. And that's what he's doing here. He uses a story of a man. Uh, that had for months made preparations. For, for days and weeks, he had worked and worked and, and prepared a great meal. He had sent invitations out. He had called for people to come. And now he sends his servants one more time to bid men and women to come uh, to this great supper. And after all that he had done, after all the work and all the uh, uh, effort that he had put in, People still would not come. This morning, I'm, it's sad, and it's, uh, I, I hate to say this, but the sad reality is uh, that in the world that we live, the majority of this world has refused to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, men and women make excuse, and men and women uh, come up with reasons, and they will not come. But this morning I want to preach on that thought. Why won't you come? Uh, why do you not want to be saved? Uh, why do you want to tell Jesus no? Uh, I want to ask you this. Why do you want to live one day? Uh, why would you want to live one moment? Uh, why would you want to take one breath and not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, we're living in times of great peril. Uh, times of great trouble. And by the way, we're seeing prophecy fulfilled. 
Uh, we're seeing this world fall to its knees. Uh, listen, this world that we're living in is frail and fragile uh, and feeble. But listen this morning, if there's ever been a time uh, when you should want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's right now. Uh, if there's ever been a moment in history uh, when men and women should run, uh, not walk, but run to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's right now. Uh, listen, we don't know what tomorrow uh, is going to bring. We don't know what uh, may come in the days to come. Uh, we've had a run to the Lord today while we still can. Uh, but I ask you this, why uh, won't you come? Why won't you come? And I'm going to give three things here from this text about this subject on why won't you come. The first thing is, <coughs> when I look in this parable, I wonder why would these men not come? Because, number one, there was a finished work. Uh, there was a finished work. He said in verse number 17, he says, For all things are now ready. All things are now ready. Now, I could understand why these men would not come if he told them, you need to come and help me fix this meal. Uh, 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 you, you need to come and, uh, and bring some money and help me pay for this meal. I, I could understand why uh, some men wouldn't come if he told them, uh, you're going to come and then afterwards you're going to have to work and pay for this meal. Uh, but the Bible says, he said, all things are, are ready. He said, everything's been done that needs to be done. Uh, listen, all things were ready. All things were prepared. Uh, and this morning, I want to ask you this. Why won't you come uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, because, listen, there's a finished work uh, on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus uh, lifted his eyes towards heaven and said, It is finished. It is finished. Uh, listen, preparations have been made for you and for I. Uh, listen, everything that needs to be done has been done for you to be saved. Uh, you don't have to do do anything. Uh, you can't do anything to save yourself. Uh, Jesus doesn't say come to me and give me your money. He doesn't say come to me uh, and work for me. He simply says come because all things are now ready. First there's an identification in verse 16. It says a certain man, a certain man, not just any man, but a certain man made a great supper. There's an identification. Uh, this was not just any man, uh, but this was a certain man. When we think about the finished work of salvation, uh, we must think about this certain man named Jesus Christ. He was a certain man. Uh, that word certain means a, an, a definite, uh, an individual, a special man, a, an identified man, not just a normal man, uh, but a, a man of prestige a man of wealth, a man of power. And listen this morning, who is this man? Who is this man that has finished the work of redemption? Listen, he's not a priest or a preacher. He's not a... Listen, this man is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Hebrews 7, 24 says, But this man... 
because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, and seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Uh, who is this man? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what you need's not a preacher. Uh, what you need's not a deacon. Uh, what you need's not a church. Uh, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way uh, to be saved. He says a certain man of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Identification. Then I thought about the initiation. It says he made a great supper. He made a great supper. Uh, listen, it doesn't say his servants made a supper. It doesn't say that his helpers made a supper. It doesn't say uh, what it says is he made a great supper. He had made all the necessary preparations. Uh, there was a seat for everyone, a plate and plenty of food. He didn't say bring yours with you. He had enough for everybody to come. Uh, listen, he didn't want their money. He didn't want anything from them. All he wanted was for them to come. This morning, Christ provides a full supply of everything that a sinner could need in order to be saved. We're all naturally starving, perishing, dying, empty, helpless people. But Jesus has forgiveness for all sin, peace with God, justification of person, and sanctification of heart, grace by the way, and glory in the end. Listen, it's prepared for you this morning. Jesus is the great initiator of salvation. Hebrews chapter 1 says when he had by himself purged our sins he sat down on the right hand of the Father. Listen, Jesus is the great one who has prepared this supper. Listen, Jesus walked up Calvary's hill alone. Listen, and he hung there on that cross and died alone. He didn't need your help and he doesn't need my help. He's prepared a great supper. It's ready for you today. But then there's invitation. It said in verse 17, he bade many. He bade many and he said, come, come. I love the invitations of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible said, the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. Oh, and listen, I thought about over there in Genesis 45 where Joseph's brethren had come to him in Egypt needing corn, needing food, and Joseph had dealt harshly with them. And now these 12, those brethren of his, now they were made aware of their sin. And, and Joseph cried out to them and said, I'm Joseph. And they stood there in the presence of Joseph afraid for their lives, afraid that Joseph was going to send them away and have them put to death for the crimes they had committed against him. But Joseph didn't tell them to go away. He says, come to me. He says, come near unto me. And this morning, that's what Jesus says to you. He says, come near unto me. And the Bible said in Genesis 45, and they came, and they came. Uh, listen, this man sent out an invitation. He says, come, uh, come and eat, uh, come and dine, uh, come and sit down at my table. And there's the invitation to you today to come to him. But yet the world ever turns to substitutes for this supper that leaves them with trouble. Instead of tranquility, 
questions instead of answers. Problems instead of solutions. More anxiety than hope, more sorrow than joy. And leaves them more dead than alive. I want to say this one, there's a finished work. I'm trying to hurry, but there's a finished work. I'm glad this morning. Listen, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. Jesus doesn't say, come unto me. And then he puts you on probation and says, now if you'll do this and you'll do that, if you'll go to church and if you'll pay your tithes and offerings and if you'll be baptized and if you'll confess your sins and if you'll you'll do this and keep the Ten Commandments and love your neighbor and be kind to your enemies and love those. He doesn't say none of that. He says this come all things are ready. There's a finished work this morning and Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe. There's a finished work so I ask you why won't you come? There's a finished work but quickly we find in this text there's a faithful witness. (coughs) I'm going to try to hurry for sake of time. I know it's hard to pay attention when you're looking at that screen them thumbs and arrows is going up. But I want you to think about this. Why won't you come when there's a faithful witness? I'm going to, in verse 17 on down through verse number 23, we read that this man that made this great supper, he had servants. And he sent these servants out to go out and to find these people and invite them to come. And this morning I want to ask you something. Why won't you come when God's given you a faithful witness? You know, I want to say this. I I salute every preacher out there today. I salute every man of God that's in an empty church standing behind a camera preaching their heart out. I salute all of you. And and people say, why are you doing all this? Why don't we just have home church? And why don't we just worship God out there? Listen, you say, why are you doing this? Because I want to be a faithful witness. And listen this morning, I want to ask you something. Why won't you come when God's given you a faithful witness? Their commission, it says that he sent them. In verse 17, and sent his servant. Their commission. They were sent by the master, by the, by the ruler of the house. This morning, I'm glad that I have a commission from the Lord. John 20 and verse 21, Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Uh, listen, he said he sent them. Do you understand this morning the why we're here is because we've been sent by God. I want to ask you, why did God send His Son to the world? The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, it says, For God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And this morning, why did God send me here with my Bible and with a message in my heart? He sent me so that you might be saved, so you might hear the Word of God. Listen, I thank God for a faithful witness this morning at their commission at their crowd they went to those who refused there were three excuses given there were three reasons given one man said this he said I bought some land and I want to go and I want to go and look at it and listen that man was lying no one buys land without first looking at it those who refused he refused because of his possessions or because of his land Verse number 18, he was a businessman. <clears throat> he said, I got to go, Lord. I need to make some more money. I need, to, I need to strike up a new deal. 
But I'm going to tell you something this morning. That's a foolish excuse. I want to ask you what good is your house and your land? What's, what's your possessions going to do for you in the day of judgment? I'll tell you what they're going to do for you. Absolutely nothing. Did you know all the money in the world and all the land in the world and all the possessions in the world, it can't buy you one second of time. And it can't buy you one second in eternity. Hey, listen, the Bible says, he said, I got some land. One refused because of land, his possessions. He was a businessman. Verse 19, one refused because of labor or performance. He was a working man. He said, I got five yoke of ox. I need to go test them out. He had some ground that needed to be turned. He had some seed that needed to be put in. He had some work he wanted to accomplish. And it's just sad today there's many people They won't come to the Lord because of work. They want to work. They say, well, I can't go to church on Sunday because that's my only day off. That's my only time. How about work a little less on Saturday and on Friday and on Thursday and on Wednesday and on Tuesday and on Monday. Work a little less and make a little less money but go to the house of God. He said, I got five. He was a a businessman. He was a working man. And finally there was one in verse 20. He said, I got a wife. And I cannot come. He refused because of love or his passions. He was a family man. Perhaps this is the most honest of all the excuses, but it was an excuse nonetheless. They say that in Bible times, if a husband was invited, that his wife was automatically invited as well. You know why I don't think he came? I believe he didn't come because he knew she wouldn't want to come. I believe he knew the type of woman she was. And she said, and he knew if I say this, she's going to say no. And this morning, you better be careful. By allowing people to influence your decisions. So they were sent to those who had refused. But then verse 21, it says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the the servant of the house being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. So we see not only were they sent to those who who had had refused, but they were sent to those who had rejected, who were rejected by the world. The poor, the the maimed, the halt, the blind. I mean, who would want this bunch to come eat supper with you? Uh, Who would want anything to do with the poor and the halt and the maimed and the blind? Uh, Listen, I'll tell you who the Lord Lord Jesus Christ would those who were rejected verse 23 says and go into the highways and hedges those, that's those that remained those who remained the hedges and the highways that's the outside the city walls that's where the thieves were that's where the, the vagabonds were that's where the outcasts were but this morning if we don't learn anything from this we ought to learn this that Jesus wants everyone and anyone to come the servant that the master said listen I've prepared this great supper and he said I want you to go out and find the poor and the halt and the maimed and the blind and those in the highways and hedges and come and fill my house up I thought about this their commitment these servants kept going even though people were making excuses and even though people were not coming 
They kept going and they kept telling and they kept obeying and they kept serving. They kept doing what they were told to do. And listen, we're living in the last days. We're living in the last times. And people don't want to hear the gospel and they don't want to hear the truth. And they don't want to hear about the Lord. They don't want to hear about hell. And they don't want to hear about judgment. And they don't want to hear about holiness. And they don't want to hear about the wrath of God. They don't want to hear about it. But that's not my job to tell people what they want to hear. It's my job to do what my master told me. To do and listen to this it said in verse number 22 and the servant said Lord it is done as thou hast commanded I understand a lot of people have a lot of dreams and and uh, and things they want in life but I want to tell you what my dream is this is my desire that one day I can stand before the Lord and say this like the servant in verse 22 Lord it is done as thou hast commanded Lord, it is done. That should be all of our desire to be able to stand before our master one day and say, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. Verse 24, and I'm done. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So why won't you come? There's a finished work. There's a faithful witness. But finally, here we see in this last verse, there's a final warning. There's a final warning. Jesus said, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. My supper. He's speaking about a great supper that's going to happen. Jesus is making allusion to a great supper that's going to happen in the future and eternity. Uh, once the tribulation, once the rapture happens and every saved child of God is gone out, there's going to be a great supper that's going to, uh, uh, it's going to uh, initiate or, or, or commence the millennial kingdom of Christ. And he says, I want you to know this. He said, here's the last warning I have for you. He says, those that were bidden to come and would not come. He says, not one of them. Not one of them's going to taste of my great supper. What he's doing is he's warning them about future judgment. Quickly, the anger of the Lord. Verse 21, it says he was angry. He was angry. That word angry means indicted, full of wrath. One man said it like this You do not trifle with God's invitations without provoking the wrath of God against you listen this morning God is a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace and I thank God for it but he's also an angry God he's an angry God the Bible said in Revelations 14 10 the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture in the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name the anger of the Lord he was angry at these people and by the way he was justified in being angry they had rejected the invitation he had given them they had said no to the preparations he had made and this morning you will know what makes God angry it's when people tell his son no and reject the Lord Jesus Christ but then there's an announcement to the lost he says none of you none of you None of those men which were bidden shall, shall 
taste of my supper. There's an announcement to the lost. Here's the announcement. Grace despised is grace forfeited. They Listen, they that will not have Christ when they may shall not have Christ when they would. Sinners who persistently and blatantly reject the overtures of divine mercy will tremble and cry too late when they find themselves in the hands of an angry God. Once the doors of the gospel banquet are closed, the ones who rejected Christ will clamor in vain for admission. Here's the the announcement to you today that are watching this. If you're not saved and you reject Jesus Christ, there'll come a day when you're going to beat on the doors of grace and say, God, let me in. But it'll be too late for you. It'll be too late. You better come while the doors are open. You better come while you still can. In verse number 24, and I'm done, we see the agony. The agony of their longings. He says, none of them shall taste, taste of my supper. Here's what I believe. I believe the greatest torment of hell. And by the way, hell's a real place this morning. You say, well, I don't believe in it. It don't make it any less real because you don't believe in it. It's still real. And I believe the worst torment of hell is not the fire. I don't believe the worst part of hell and, 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 and everlasting punishment. I don't believe it's the brimstone. I, I don't believe it's the worms that die not. I don't believe it's the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth. I, I don't believe the worst part of hell is the outer darkness where men and women grope and groan and cry. I, I don't think that's the worst thing. Here's what I believe the worst torment of hell is. For all eternity you're going to be longing to be saved. You're going to be longing to be able to taste of that supper. And by the way, that supper is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the supper. He's the bread of life. He's the water. And listen, He is the meal that's been prepared. And for all eternity, people are going to be crying, saying, Oh God, let me have a taste. Let me have a taste. You say, Brother James, prove it well. In Luke chapter 16, there was a certain rich man who died. And the Bible said in hell, he lifted, his up, lifted up his eyes being in torments. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may tip his, dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. This morning I want to give you a, a warning. I want to tell you this. You better come while you can. You say, Brother James, I can't get saved. If I were to get saved, my family, they'd make fun of me. If I got saved, my wife or my husband would think I was crazy. If I got saved, I'd have to leave the denomination I'm a part of or the religion I'm a part of. Let me just tell you this this morning. You ought to forget about all those things and come to the Lord right now. Why? Because He says, come, come unto me. In fact, in Revelation 22 and verse 17, he says, come. Whosoever will, let him come. And this morning, if you're lost, I wish you'd come. And by the way, us that are saved, us that are saved, let us be a faithful witness. Let's tell others they can come. Did you know this? You can't ask the wrong person 
You can't invite the wrong person to be saved. You can't, you can't give the gospel to the wrong person. Because the halt, the maimed, the poor, the blind, they all, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the invitation. If you're out there and you're not saved, I beg you today, call on the Lord. The Bible says this, that if you call upon His name, Romans 10, 13, you'd be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. The Bible says if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. It's an individual choice. It's something you have to do for yourself. You say, but Brother James, I was, I've been raised, I'm a religious person. I, I, was, I was sprinkled. I've been, I've been confirmed. I've been dedicated. I've been all these things. That's not going going to be enough in the judgment day you have to come to Jesus yourself you have to respond to the gospel yourself you must believe you must confess you must repent and then you can be saved let's pray father we thank you for this day I pray you bless the word of God that's gone forth I pray father for those that are listening that may be lost I pray today would be the day that they'd be saved we love you it's in Jesus name we pray amen